podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today for the Axon Bulletin, I am delighted as always to be joined by JP Mason and Declan McConville to talk about all things Celtic. And JP, we've got to ask, when are we getting the banners out? When are we announcing Eddie Howe? When are we welcoming uh, Eddie to Celtic Park? I've got a theory, you know. Uh, and we will talk about the boycott this weekend. Social media boycott, a win against Rangers on Sunday. Surely Monday's a good day for it. So, you know, you just said that before we came out here, and, and now that I've had about 20 seconds to digest it, it makes a lot of sense. Imagine if our first uh, first sort of uh, tweet or post after that boycott was uh, just the, the white smoke. Uh, that would be that would be something else. Um, I, I, I would subscribe to that theory. Well, I'm I'm a fully paid member of that uh, subscription service. Declan, what's your <laughs> thoughts on this? I mean, I didn't really want to say all right announcement by Monday because I think I've been saying that for eight weeks. But um, all the information that's out there uh, from trusted sources and respected journalists, Declan, are that um, although not a done deal yet, it is imminent. Um, are we going to get a uh, a bit of good news, maybe a very small bit of good news that uh, you know it's been kind of lacking this season for Celtic fans, isn't it? I think um, everything looks to be heading in a more positive direction, and uh, a good news announcement I think would give us all a lift, especially if we're going to the game on Sunday, win the, the Glasgow Derby game. So 
a wee cheeky good morning Celts tweet on Monday morning I think would uh, stick a wee smile on all our faces well I did have a, wee, a wry grin on my face when I saw the picture of you on Twitter recently so you're obviously getting back to normal you were out enjoying a wee pint of um, Guinness weren't you Guinness yep so uh-huh. you're getting back to normal was that you were you at McCool's am I right getting saying? back to normal so uh, a big shout out to Nicky and all the guys at McCool's obviously a really good Celtic boozer um and it was good to be back out. I was with the, the one and only Matt McGlone. Everybody will know Matt from his days at... How's he, how's he doing? How's Matt doing? Matt's doing well. Good. Um, he is in good health and he's sticking at it, working at it every day. So um, he's doing uh, well. He's looking well, I've got to say. And uh, I think that during the lockdown he was getting people out and about, wasn't he? He was getting people on the old walking trips. Yep, we've got a page called Selps Walking On. You can find us on Twitter. And it was basically set up just to encourage people to get out there, um, get out walking, meet, you know, a bit of socialising as well. So now that restrictions are starting to ease, we're hoping to take that off a wee bit more and try and get people as a collective together to um, meet up, go walks, etc. Because I think that's one of the things everybody's did in lockdown. So we'll see where that goes. But you can follow us on Twitter at Celts Walking On. That's brilliant. I mean, it's the simple things, Declan. It's the simple things that have been taken away from us. Um, Like going out and about, socialising, going to the football, JP, something that uh, we are hoping um, is going to come back, but it's going to be in fits and starts. It's going to be a gradual process and uh, over your shoulder once again, let's get a wee update. How far away are we from next season's first fixture? 82 days. 82 days will be a new manager in the dugout or a new head coach whatever you want to call him who that will be we'll, we'll wait for it today. now one big thing that people are saying is you know same old same old well it's the biggest story in town isn't it uh, the Celtic managerial story everybody's had an opinion on it uh, and we are going to speak about it because every day that uh, uh, we're on here uh, is another day without a manager I make it 64 days uh, without a permanent manager since Neil Lennon left the building and um, you know I think that when you're looking at uh, assembling the backroom team which I'm sure Eddie Howe is currently doing I was talking yesterday about having and sometimes this this goes down like a lead balloon having a degree of sympathy for uh, those uh, at the club who are trying to get Eddie in because it's not as simple as just like you know throwing everything in the kitchen sink and in you come um, he's looking to assemble a team and obviously will be a lot stronger with his team however the big risk for me JP is that you know, when he leaves, the team leaves. And if it's a big team, in terms of maybe half a dozen or eight staff, maybe more, um, there's a big, massive, gaping hole in the Celtic staff. And we don't want a a repeat of what happened when Brendan Brendan Rodgers left. But, you know, we're in a situation where we really need this to happen. We need to get it over the line. So there there is a bit of a dilemma in that because, you you know, I've been critical of the Celtic board. I'm trying to, to be as balanced as I can about it. Um, but then I look at the fact that personnel, incomings, outgoings, it's continued to happen. And it gives you a hint that perhaps, you know, it's really just finalising the deal, getting the dots on top of the I's and crossing the T's, etc. Are you as confident as I am about this? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly the, the, mur- the murmurs have uh, increased to a, a slightly louder, uh, more audible uh, call in the last few days. You know, uh, unless people are being completely led down the, the garden path of this in terms of the press, then you would you, you would like to think that it is sort of shaping up to be announced. With regards to like taking the whole team with them in that kind of scenario. 
you just have to hope that that doesn't happen again. I mean, I don't, I don't recall it ever happening before in our, in, in our lifetimes, a manager leaving like a thief in the night uh, and just, you know, just sort of basically running his arm along the mantelpiece and putting everything in a bag and then running out the door, which is essentially what happened. You know, I've got so, a vision in my mind now. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, With a swag bag. And Peter shouting, leave the biscuit tin. <laughs> leave it, Brendan. We're still quite sweating in the biscuit tin. Uh, no, just that, that kind of scenario. I mean, obviously that can happen to any club, but it doesn't happen that often, really. It's, there's normally like a kind of almost like a club etiquette, isn't there? That you know, you wait till the end of the season and the business is done in the close season, and then it's it's kind of it's, it's a bit more neat and tidy rather than this kind of like abandoned ship thing. So I'm not overly concerned about the whole um, idea of Eddie Howe having the control of bringing in all his own people because ultimately. If he's, if he's bringing in his own people, then he's going to be more comfortable in his role and he's going to have people that he can trust and we're surely going to get better results as a result of that. Um, so, yeah. There's a book across uh, over the back of your, your shoulder there um, and I'm just wondering there, do you think Brennan Rogers has his own autobiography facing out like that on his bookshelf? Probably. <laughs> Probably, at home. That, maybe, that's, maybe more than one copy as well. That's a shameless plug for a book that I was asked to be uh, featured in by, by the club, by Celtic. So there's a, there's a chapter on me in that book, which is as a result of being on a Celtic state of mind, I might add, three years ago or whatever. So Tremendous. you're indirectly responsible for me in that book. And uh, I, I thank you for it because it's done a tremendous uh, honour and weird privilege to, <laughs> to have a chapter on a it's a great it's an absolutely brilliant um, honour so well done for that now a wee bit of wordplay is obviously going to be coming in when Eddie Howe arrives at Celtic Declan I've seen a few coming through on Twitter this morning um, can you see us how um, and my personal favourite is this is how it feels so uh, I'm pretty sure that all the headline writers out there will have one or two up their sleeve uh, Declan you're a man of words you're a, you're a journalistic man um, what do you think will be the headline when Eddie Howe takes over? Um, I quite like the, the line this is how we do it um, so I'll the, the old uh, the Smith's tune how soon is how that is what we've been asking just now but um I think that the play on but the, the recaption that the other teams came up with this season would be one um, when they've said can you see us now we could hit back at that but can you see us uh, how so okay. <laughs> um, we'll just wait and see but as long as it's a positive uh, headline coming out and it's Eddie Howie's Celtic scarf above his head I'm not going to have any complaint what's written in the newspaper above it how long, how long must we sing this song? Michael the boy, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm sure there's loads of them coming out. Am I getting a wee bit carried away? Probably. But after the season we've had, why not? Um, so yeah, we're looking at the managerial appointment. But on the back of that, uh, and again, I'm not going to go into the source. What I will say is that the source is one that's been used by the club this season. Uh, therefore, it is something that it's maybe a plan to gauge um, fan opinion or it's actually happening. But we have been hearing... Um, through one main source and then various news sources afterwards that John Kennedy uh, will have a future at the club. Now, I think we've spoken about that. There's an expectancy, Declan, that John Kennedy will have a future at the club, but as director of football. So I was looking actually at um, a report on that today and there was an interesting image of John Kennedy where 
uh, it showed you his tattoo underneath his arm and there was some kind of Latin I, I'm not great on the old Latin um, but it is loosely translated to everything happens for a reason and that's a tattoo underneath John Kennedy's arm um, and you know, I was thinking it's almost like for everything a reason, like the Ian Brown song. So that's a bit of fear for me in capital letters if John Kennedy indeed is going to be the director of football. What do you make of, of all that? Is that Celtic being cute with their, their source or dropping information or is there nothing in this story, as I would hope, to be the case? Well, I think a lot of people might have wanted to say bye-bye, bad man, to an extent this season. <laughs> but... Um, you know, that was good, JP. JP, that was good. Well it done, Dick. I like seems, that. Uh, it seems a bit, a bit strange because you know we've heard so much about how good a coach John Kennedy is, particularly in this role. You know, I don't get it because he's not any experience in this. And again, does Eddie Howe really want him in that role? That that is a question I would want to know because ultimately, you know, when Eddie Howe, because I do expect him to be appointed as the next Celtic manager, gets a job. It's up to him and it's his decisions. Now, if he's happy with keeping John Kennedy, that's fine by me because as long as the manager's getting full control of the football department, that's fine. But again, if this is a Peter Lowell or it's a, a decision made in the boardroom, that does not sit right with me because it ultimately, again, leads back to all roads that if, again, you know, we touched on Brendan Rodgers earlier on, that the manager leaves, it's all roads back to John Kennedy getting the job again, which I, I don't think a lot of people are too comfortable with after what they've maybe watched on the back of uh, the tail end of this season, his involvement under Neil Lennon. So, you know, to me personally, I think John Kennedy should go out, get a job on his own and prove his sell. And if he does prove his sell, come back to us because there's no harm in doing that, you know. And as I say, if he's such a good coach, I think he can go out and prove his sell and come back. But in this role, I'm not too sure about it. Now, this is the thing. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were invited, thankfully, into a Celtic press conference, which was tremendous that uh, the club were, you know, looking to embrace alternative media channels such as a Celtic State of Mind and others. And after that, I, I mentioned how impressed I was with the way that John Kennedy conducted himself. All of a sudden, I'm being accused of saying that John Kennedy's the best manager in Britain. No, I wasn't saying that. And I've not been that impressed, actually, since he took over. I don't think that uh, much has changed. And yesterday, in actual fact, the title of the axiom was that John Kennedy had to be bold and he had to start being bold this, this weekend. So going into Jake Ryan's comment uh, via YouTube, and thanks everybody for getting involved on the comment section. Uh, Jake Ryan goes on to say, Kennedy as technical director would be a disaster waiting to happen. No experience and hasn't worked with how. Why is this man glued to the club? Job for life at Celtic. I think Declan makes a, a good point, JP, in that it reeks of something that Peter Lowell is involved in. He's on his way out, yet some of the biggest decisions seem to be being influenced by Peter Lowell. Well, I mean... It we obviously could look at it and say that it looks like blatant nepotism, doesn't it? You know, that uh, John Kennedy has survived all these managerial uh, changes and, and may survive the next one and then be appointed into a role that he has no experience in, merely to shoehorn him into staying at the club. I, I mean, I know that money money talks and everything else, but I mean, I would... I would feel a bit uncomfortable if I was John Kennedy being given a job that I have no real CV to stand up against. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. if, if, like Declan said, if he is that good a coach, 
which I don't doubt that he, he must be a good coach. There's no way, surely Celtic aren't employing him just because he used to play for Celtic and he suffered a horrendous injury that ended his career. There is no way that that is the case. I mean, I, I can't allow myself to think that way. I mean, maybe I'm being extremely naive, but you know, there must be a reason that he's being allowed to to continue his duties at Celtic because he's actually liked by the players. They like his, you know, his methods, everything else, uh, and he actually knows football. And it sounds like he knows football from what we've heard from him in the last uh, few weeks since he's taken over. Um, it's just unfortunate that he's currently working with a, a team that is completely in flux in terms of half of them are wanting away and, you know, the, 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 a lot of them aren't good enough really to, to, to play. Um, and we're, we're dealing with centre-halves that are there that, that aren't getting played, that are on massive wages. You know, it's just it's a bit of a mess really, the whole football department at the moment. Maybe if he'd been handed over the, the keys at the point that Neil Lennon was it would be a different story. I don't know. That's speculation on my part, but um, I, I'm agree, I agree with Declan. I don't think that we should just try and shoehorn John Kennedy into a position at the club just because it's, you know, we, we wouldn't want to leave him out a job or anything like that. I, I think it, with his CB, he should be able to go and get a job at a decent level. Mm. Um, maybe not Premier League. Maybe um, Scottish Championship or something. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but... Um, yeah. The, the, the big thing is, and again, we have spoken about this on Axom, uh, and I'll ask you first, Declan, about this. Surely, if we are looking to restructure and rebuild at the same time this football club, and in particular the, the football department of the club, then, and I don't like calling it a department as if it's a department store. There, there's your football over there and your commercial down there, but that's the way that these big clubs work these days. But surely, if we're looking to, to build a viable youth development uh, system and an academy that's providing players for Celtic not for every other club in Europe but for Celtic then part of that and part of the process of having a Colts team surely if you think that the, there is a potential manager at the club already you know moving from maybe a coaching position to managing um, the Colts I mean you look at some of the, the, the managers out there and they've cut their managerial teeth with the B teams you know, so it's it's not unheard of in places like Spain where you get the chance of managing a B team. Look at Benitez's managerial record. You start managing a B team and then you work your way up. And surely that would be part of a process, Declan, of keeping potentially good managers at the club and allowing them to cut their teeth uh, in an environment which is still the Celtic way to use that cliche, um, but also you can also monitor their performance. And they're not going to go anywhere. I mean, the, 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 then the progression would be to the first team well, I think that the guys in charge there just now Toby McIntyre and Chris McCart in terms of head of youth and who's in charge of that reserves team development side that that would be a role that I, I would be a lot more comfortable with John Kennedy going into because even though what we, our opinions are in the dressing room the players seem to like John Kennedy mm. that's evidently clear and you know in terms of guys like Kieran Tierney Callum McGregor Mikey Johnson whoever else is broke through into the first team He's been part of that Ronnie Dyla team. He's been part of that Brendan Rodgers team and Neil Lennon team that has developed some of these players and given them a chance in the team. So he's got a bit of a track proven record on developing young players and getting them into the first team. So surely as well, if we are going to re- look, look at restructuring, that p- pathway into the first team needs to be something that, we, again, we look at because, you know, in terms of what we've got, you know, you, you've made the point, Paul, a lot of these guys, Forrest, McGregor, are coming towards the tail end of their 20s. They're not young boys anymore. So 
who's the next generation to come through into that Celtic team? Stephen Welsh is obviously the next one, but I would be a lot more comfortable with John Kennedy getting that role if he's such a good coach mm. than I would be in a director of football role because I just don't think it's suited to basically what his CV is at this current point in time. Some great comments coming in. Uh, so thanks for joining us. You're doing that on the social media channels and on YouTube. Uh, Celtic look after him as they should. Time to prove himself elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely under the circumstances. But hopefully in the future we will have um, an option to to maybe allow him to prove himself as a manager within the club. Uh, but just not as a first team manager. I think that would be great uh, going forwards. And there's another uh, Really interesting point here coming in from Paul McLean. Paul says, why does anyone assume Harkin would be a better director of football than Kennedy? And again, I guess this comes into a conversation that we've had previously. Sometimes, JP, you know, you can uh, come away with, let's use the Maresca example. We had a really good discussion a couple of months ago about Enzo Maresca and, Fer- and Fergal Harkin coming in. Uh, and because Maresca sounds, you know, uh, like a sexy kind of name and all this kind of stuff, we, we give them a wee bit more leeway. Is he any better? We had that discussion. It was very interesting because it's all about perception, isn't it? Um, and Paul McLean asks a valid question here. Uh, and I think that having read quite a lot of the uh, information that came in, particularly from John Collins recently, JP was talking about how uh, you know Harkin was responsible for a lot of those players that came in to Celtic from the Manchester City system. Um, so I think that there has been um, a proven uh, success uh, from Harkin, but again, does that necessarily mean that makes him a technical director? We're talking about under-23 development at that stage, but I was interested to know that he has a, a proven track record um, at a level down south. I think uh, I think with that you could, you could always be found guilty of just looking at it on base level and being like, well, these guys are employed by Manchester City. Manchester City are not going to employ um, halfwits. Do you know what I mean? That they're, they're you know right down to you know the, the the very sort of you know so called lowest part of the club that will be the best of the best people that they're hiring. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that's that's kind of what you would expect. So if, it would be the same as if you were looking at two players and one player was coming from Brighton and one player was coming from Manchester City, you'd you'd obviously be thinking, well, the Manchester City one's going to be uh, better. I mean, look, look at Frimpong. I, I actually don't think Frimpong's that great a player. We've just sold him for 11 million quid. Um, mm. and, and we got him from Man City, you know. Um, again, you could point at Encham and say, well, we got Encham, we paid four and a half million for Encham and what's he doing at Marseille? Um, but I, I just think... I, I, I would be more confident with someone straight away off the bat. I'd be more confident with someone like Fergal Harkin being the director of football uh, than than promoting John Kennedy from within, just purely because of the experience he'll have gained from working at such a massive institution. Well, say a massive institution. The club has become a massive institution with a lot of cash injected into it. Uh, as I made a, a point on Twitter last night. Mm. Uh, <laughs> if Manchester City are lucky enough to get to the final and then put their hands in that cup um, even if there was uh, fans laid in the stadium um, you would not see uh, a repeat of Seville uh, in wherever the cup final is being played because they simply don't have that level of support because they're not you know they don't have that they don't have that clout they don't have that uh, history and, and, and backing and that's not me being snide that's fact you know no, it is. I know. And I read that uh, tweet 
with interest because I know that where your allegiance lies. But I, I was thinking about that generational thing, JP, where you know there, there's a whole generation of fans who do they even support the clubs, and you know that came into the focus uh, of the the breakaway Super League as well, wasn't it? Where, where they thought they had this incredible hundreds of millions of fans around the world but it's a fake number in many many respects uh, and you, you ask yourself what are they creating in terms of this generation of supporters what is that going to look like in 10 years what, you know whereas as a Celtic fan it's quite a simple thing isn't it whereby um, you know you don't choose now you don't wake up and say well you know I'm going to choose that because they're in a funky league and it's popular and it's got the broadcasting rights all over the world you, you never ever choose there's never a day where you, you remember saying Celtic are going to be part of my life they're just omnipresent and it's handed down from generation to generation so it is different you know I, I get exactly what you mean there um, and I've always referred to that, that kind of league as you know kind of box office WWF style you know where it's all just glam and glitz you can almost make anybody look good down there uh, by the way that they're branded and they do it brilliantly well let's be honest um, on the flip side it's a conversation I'm, I'm sure we'll have again in the future um, would Celtic jump at a chance to join a British league and be part of that I'm sure they would um, and I know a lot of Celtic fans won't be uh, supportive of that measure but uh, you know I think in my lifetime that will happen um, so we are we're talking about uh, you know the, the Harkin situation uh, whether or not that's still alive it's going to be a bit quiet but Maravchik thanks for getting involved again Maravchik 25 comes in to say John Kennedy job for life was another example of Peter Lowell overreaching his authority without consequences Big John is a top lad but Lowell was drunk on power without no one questioning his decision making. So when we're talking about a, a massive restructure, it takes in every level of uh, the football club. It's all change at Celtic Declan. Uh, massive changes. It's been called uh, the biggest rebuild in the history of the club. I remember saying that a few weeks ago um, and it seemed a wee bit over dramatic. When you're looking at the rebuild, there's a name, um, a couple of names actually JP mentioned there, and it brings a few things into mind. Jeremy Frimpong, first thing I thought of, JP, when you mentioned Frimpong, uh, was that, you know, he was part of this indiscipline that had crept in to the Celtic squad. Because remember, he, he flew over a girl over from America and all this kind of stuff for a date. Remember all that? Carry on. And I don't think I've given him a hard time about that because you've given Griff a hard time throughout the season, I have anyway, about the lack of fitness and you've looked at various other indiscretions. But again, Frimpong was, was another example of that uh, indiscipline that had crept into the Celtic squad. Um, so yeah, that, that was unfortunate. But in Cham, another player that you mentioned um, who has blown hot and cold throughout his Celtic career, it's not worked for him since he's gone back to France um, and you know it's all about value of players because a year ago we were talking about selling uh, Rogic I think at the time was it three and a half million the fee was you'd struggle to get that for him now and Encham's the same you know we buy him in for four and a half you know Declan would you even make your money back on Encham now? I don't think so and obviously he's been over there to, to Marseille and he's just not, not featured and then if you obviously think back Villas Boas walked out because he turned up <laughs> and said um, you know I, I don't want him so I'm going obviously it was just for that reason that Villas Boas left Marseille but um, he caused a bit of commotion there to say the least but I don't think you would have and again you know at first in summer twenty. 19, we heard rumours that Olivier Cham wanted, remember the, I think it was Le Keep and there was a translation and Neil Lennon yeah. dismissed it. Then in the January, when they've been surprised if the clubs kind of went, okay, we'll play you, but 
the Ingevian move. He went into that really good bit of form. You remember the really cracking header he showed up at McDermott Park. Brilliant. And in the summer last year, they probably went to him, oh, you know, the market's not good, not too sure about money. So you can actually be looking at a player that's been denied a move three times. I'm now at a point where money-wise, I don't think we would make any money off him. Mm. It's unfortunate, but uh, miracles do happen. We, we made our money back on Patrick Clamalla, Declan. What, what do you make of the suggestion that this is the biggest ever rebuild? And I don't mean that in terms of, you know, when you're looking at um, when Fergus McCann took over. I think at that point, that was the biggest ever rebuild of Celtic at that stage, for obvious reasons, because we didn't have a stadium that was fit for purpose in terms of the Taylor report. We had an underperforming playing staff and uh, Fergus McCann from top to bottom had to go right through that entire club. Um, So I would use that as an example. I think what I have said in the past is it's the biggest rebuild since Fergus McCann took over. Alan Stubbs, former Celtic, comes in uh, to suggest that it is the biggest rebuild. And there's also been um, suggestions that in doing that, uh, you don't chuck the baby out with the bathwater I think the saying is JP I'm going to come to you Lee Griffiths it's another subject that has come in uh, to view because Charlie Mulgrew reckons that we would be mad not to keep him for another season Uh, I'm looking at that I'm looking at the underperforming strikers would you throw Griffin would you let him loose against Rangers this Sunday it all depends on James Forrest I think I think if James Forrest is not in the picture for, for Sunday then yeah I would I would, I would play him. That might not go down well with a lot of people who probably think that he's had enough chances and, and whatnot. But yeah, I would, I, I would play him. Um, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still on the fence about whether I'd play Odds and Edward to be honest. Because if you get another performance where he's trying five aside goals, you know, uh, six yards out, then I'm not entirely sure whether I want that sort of performance. But as I was speaking to somebody the other day who said, "Look, you know, if you give Odds and Edward the, you know, the ammunition, he's the one that will score a goal." And you're like, "Well, yeah, but he was given the ammunition and a penalty kick. <laughs> I dropped a couple of weeks ago, and he didn't do it." So, um, so yeah. Um, with regards to the rebuild, it's one of those where it's just like we we have got no room for error here. The, mm. the players that we sign now, there can't be any, uh, you know. Uh, massive failures now everybody that comes in now has to uh, be given a jersey and they make the jersey their own it's as simple as that there can't be oh uh, that just didn't work out or what's going on with him or anything like that there can't be any of that anymore financially as well we can't just keep you know cutting losses and writing off players and you know fair enough Klamala we got the money back but ultimately in the time that Klamala was here he didn't do anything to help the club massive really at all you know I mean no. a couple of goals you know but was that really worth you know he, he took up a position in that squad and a wage in that squad that did not serve us in the time he was here no offence to him as a person or a player but ultimately he didn't really do anything to contribute in that time so see the thing with Clamal I think it's a, an excellent example of the the deeper issues in amongst the the youth development at Celtic because you think of what Clamalla gave uh, in terms of his appearances and the goals and the return uh, for £3.5 but yeah, fair enough, we got our money back had a young player been nurtured and brought through the system JP given the same game time you, you, you have got to ask the question would he have done any worse than the £3.5 uh, Polish paddy? would he have done any worse? 
No, uh, I mean that's the the, the the mystery continues as to why we are not producing forwards. I said mm-hmm. it last week. You know that that's the that's the position that everybody wanted to play at school. Why is there not you know an absolute uh, raft of you know players that we can pick and choose from? You know we we should be able to go to the to the the best sort of. Um, under 18s teams are the best, under 16s are the best, under 12s, and be like, right, there's 30 strikers, he's the best one, right, sign him for Celtic and then develop him. You know, I, I don't, I absolutely don't know how that's not happening. No. Um, it's an a complete mystery because you'd think that is just a, a given that that would happen, but, um, and then, you know, then they would break into the uh, the first team or given an avenue to break into the first team, but it's just, you're going way, way back to, God, the, the days of uh, Barry Elliott, Mark Anthony, Mark Burchill, you know. Not Mark Anthony scored a goal or two he ended up at Tranmere Rovers but that, I absolutely agree with that and, and I think that um, when it comes down to great goal scorers and producing great goal scorers Celtic have a brilliant history of it but not since the 1990s with Jerry Craney no I'm not calling him a great goal scorer but he was produced by Celtic came in he scored big big goals uh, and we sold him we sold him off and we've not produced a, a goal scoring striker since then and it's a discussion that we'll continue to have until we produce one JP said Declan that uh, everybody wanted to score goals at school what was your position at school I think you look more of a midfield general no um, big tavern centre half that was a bit like F.A. Ambrose <laughs> and a big donkey so F. Ambrose. Really a general brilliant um, we're, we're talking about John Kennedy being bold at the weekend Declan I've, I've thrown the, the Griffiths card in there as uh, predictable as it is is there anything else on that part that you would like to see changed this weekend I mean yeah we're only playing for professional pride we do want to stop this uh, unbeaten league run that Rangers are on of course we do uh, any changes you'd make anything bold I'd be quite bold and play as Malia Sorrow um, you know Scott's been a great servant to Celtic I understand that but at this current point in time um there was the move that, that Kent, Kent did it a few times in the game and, and I thought I don't like this this is not nice to watch this shouldn't be how it ends in this fixture for Scott Brown so I'd be very tempted to play as Malia Soro I thought he did okay at Ibrooks in the derby game at the start of the year and at the end of the day as Malia Soro is going to be our player next season and Scott Brown isn't captain or not um, I know he can be infectious in these games but he can still be infectious from the dugout and uh, bring him on later on in the game but I'd be very tempted to play as Malia Soro because I just don't get the fact I know a guy like Chris Ayers probably not going to be there next year but he's not in my opinion let us down this season but there's guys that won't be other players i.e. Diego Laxill probably mm. John Joe Kenny they're probably I would hope Taylor starts at left back but I just don't get the point in playing players that aren't going to be there and on Griffiths I would say in the past two games that Griffiths has showed us a wee bit more than Edward has and Griffiths has still probably got his Celtic career in the line to play for to mm. show us so you're probably a wee bit more risk-free playing Griffiths I think Edward's head's gone and for these last games it's not going to make a difference whether you play him or not he's going to leave in the summer so I'd be very tempted to give Lee Griffiths a start and again we spoke about you know Elanusi before it was, people were very critical in the last game in my opinion he's better on the left-hand side playing with a bit of width I thought the Rangers countered the the four four two diamond the last time, so I'd be very tempted not to play Elanusi up front to get him out on the left hand side and even I'm gonna say it, give Karamoko Dembele a chance on the right hand side if James Forrest isn't fit because it's natural width. Mm. We've got it's a dead rubber. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. What, you know, I think a lot more people would respect John Kennedy if he went in with a fresh outlook and gave other guys a chance. It won't happen, but that's just what I would do. Bold is the word, JP. And there's a couple of, there's a couple of bold predictions here from from Declan and fair play. I always go back to the 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 words of Tommy Burns, the late great Tommy Burns, and he, he used to speak about these big games and how often if you throw somebody in, and uh, because they're they're almost not mentally prepared for it, it doesn't affect them as much. The fear factor isn't there as much. They don't have the time um, to allow that fear to. The fear is a big word in today's podcast. I wonder if it's his influence that's doing it. But um, they don't have that time to have the fear factor in their mind. JP, I mean, I think. Dembele would be a bold, bold move. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. Uh, but another name that Declan uh, mentioned there, the smile of sorrow, linked with Spurs, uh, but barely playing. I mean, I can't understand that. I thought he'd done enough when he came in with Turnbull. I thought, right, two right good players there. You played them to the end of the season. Now he's struggling to get a game. Uh, would you throw him back in? I mean, you do, you do wonder how things would have gone if we'd actually taken chances that we created at Ibrox, you know, and how things would have panned out. But we didn't take them, and that ultimately cost us the game an overhead kick from a 36 year old and an own goal, um, which which was the difference uh, horrifically. Um, but yeah, I, I, sorrow. I, I, oh, God, the, the romantic side of me wants Scott Brown to play and score a goal and just shut them up <laughs> so, I mean, and that, do, the fi- do the final Bruni oh I mean that yeah, of course of course that is, that, is, that is what you want but you know I, I just I, I don't think Soro will play I mean I think he will play Scott Brown uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah it won't but with regards to uh, Dembele I think they will go one or two ways you've got to remember who Dembele would be up against if he was playing uh, a very solid Imposing left back in uh, uh, Borna So, like, Ryan Christie's not had any joy against this season, yeah, he's, that side. he's either going to get ragdolled by Barisic or he will run Barisic ragged. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the two ways that's going. And most, uh, uh, you know, people of a Rangers persuasion would probably be thinking that it uh, would be the, the former because, you know, he's a wee guy. He's, what, 18. Mm-hmm. He's got no physicality at all. Um, I would be very fearful of that. I'd, I'd like to think that he could um, run him ragged, but 
I don't think he's got the experience in these games yet to do that. Mm. And I know it's against, I don't know it's in an empty stadium and all the rest of it, but I just think psychologically you need to be attuned to do that. And I don't think he's got that in his locker as yet. And maybe never will. I don't want to write the guy off, but um, I, I just don't know. I don't know about I, I, I was a bit on the, the Dembele bus early doors, mm. but I, I don't think he's ever going to have his own Nike advert. I think he'll always just have that bit part moment in an early point in his career. I, I just don't, I don't see him being the, the superstar that maybe he thinks he is at this point in time. Yeah, I think that the, the most frustrating the most frustrating thing about that, JP, is that all the warning signs were there. Celtic mm. seemed to be um, obviously once bitten, twice shy on Islam Farouz, and you know there was this blanket of protection around them. Bailey, Charlie Musonda, remember we yeah. a big boy's glory, and he was supposed to be the next big thing, and then just didn't didn't cut it. You know, it's, it's just it's all about show a lot of the time with these guys and Instagram and. <laughs> All of that, and then you just just want to just sweep that away and just be like, just play football. Just forget about the glitz and the glamour and the the, the contracts, the the advertising, the sponsorship. Just forget about all that and just be good at football first of all, and then and get fifty games under your belt, whereby you've got the whole support on side. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that's what you want. I sound like Tony Haggerty here actually. I like it. <laughs> Swing back in the chair and do the... <laughs> Have a wee look at the window. Ah, brilliant. Love it. <laughs> Love it. No, but the thing with that is that you're right. It's all, where's the substance? You know, they think they've made it. They think they've made it because you've, they've got a, a Nike or an Adidas uh, boot sponsorship deal. They're making big money for, for young kids at that time. Yeah, they've not done a thing. I mean, let's, they've done a lot more than I did in my football career, but they've not made it. Uh, and that that's a big thing. You've got to establish yourself. I, I sometimes, you know, think about Dembele though, Declan, and you know, you, you do hope, you do have that wee glimmer of hope there that it would be great if a manager was to come in and, and salvage something for Celtic and for the player. I, I would love to see him fulfilling his his early potential, but I would love Celtic to also benefit from that. Yeah, it's a mixture of both. You know, you want us to produce young players, what you touched on earlier, Paul, and be able to then sell them on if if that happens and make the club a bit more money. I mean, that's how it should work. That you know, you produce your own players, they, they do their part, and then you can obviously punt them. But um, yeah, I, I thought anyway, Petodre that when he did come on for that wee last spell, he did more than again than Ryan Christie did in the game. So I don't want to Ryan Christie bash here, but you know. He's not been great in this fixture. He's still not showing up in it. He's not got a goal in it. Would it be the worst thing in the world? I, I just think it won't happen. I'm probably living in fantasy land here because it won't happen. It'll be the sentimental um, team picked and, oh, it's going to be your last one and pick you because, you know, we know you and we'll, we'll pick you. But it'll be the sentimental team. But I would go bold and I would respect John Kennedy a lot more if he went bold. No, I think, um, you know, it also, there's the element of surprise, Declan, you know, the Rangers will be setting up their team, uh, probably expecting a Ryan Christie or, or James Forrest to start. They won't expect we Dembele to come in uh, and, and, you know, hug that that uh, touchline and show a bit of trickery. And, you know, we don't really know much about him over the last few years. He was The focus on him was intense at a very, very young age. Then he's gone off the radar. So throwing him in, who knows what might happen? It's an interesting one. And Helen also brings up an interesting point. You mentioned Instagram before, JP. You're absolutely right. It's almost as if these people live their life on social media. And that's 
cheap coming from me because I spend a wee bit of time on social media myself. And, and Helen brings up the point, Celtic joining this social media boycott. How is that going to work with the game at the weekend, with the team news? Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's an interesting point. I'm pretty sure that there will be a way of communicating that. But you're taking us on to the next point, Helen, so thanks for doing that. Let's have a wee chat about uh, the the boycott. So we heard about the English football boycott last week. Uh, Scottish football is following suit this weekend. Um, it's at a critical time. It might give Celtic a good opportunity following the boycott to make a major announcement on Monday, and I hope that is the case. But we'll have a wee chat about online abuse, JP. I mean, just the other day there, let's keep it you know, tight into the Axon bubble at the moment. Just the other day, Natasha Mikkel appears on Sky Sports. And you can almost set your clock um, to the point where within seconds the abuse begins, right? So Natasha gives Charles Patterson some very balanced views on the new managerial situation plus the upcoming game against Rangers and then it explodes onto social media. What is it? that has to be done because yet yeah, I think you're raising awareness by doing a boycott absolutely but there's been occasions in the past where not enough's been done by the broadcaster who is putting the footage onto their Twitter page in terms of managing the comments reporting comments blocking specific users who continually just come in and say what they believe anything at all that they want to say. So it, it was ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen any of the the, um, the comments the other day there, GP. Totally unacceptable. This level of online abuse will continue unless harsher action is taken. Uh, well, to be honest, I did. I saw the one that uh, Natasha highlighted in particular, and uh, it's just really, really weird how people feel that they can just shoot from the hip and say anything they want about someone's appearance, you know, when ultimately if they took issue with something that Natasha said or, you know, something like that, then then fine. Okay, just, you know, a measured response to anything she said would, would, would be okay. But to just go for looks, and it, it, would be, it would be the same the other way if you, got, if you had someone, some leery guy coming and going, oh, wow, she's well fit or something like that, you know, that... You know, why do you feel the need to comment on someone's looks when it's clearly that's not the platform that they're there to be judged on? They're there to be judged on what they're, they're, they're talking about. What, mm. Why there's this sort of base level? When I said it myself, I said you know, people like that shouldn't be allowed near technology. They should stick to cave painting, you know, because that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the level we're talking about. It is actually that sort of base level mentality. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's absolutely despicable. I don't know what the rules are in terms of what Sky can do to uh, to to monitor it. But if it was me and I'd made a comment like that about someone, I would be I'd, I I would it would play in my mind all day and and see the fact that people were jumping on what I was saying and and quite rightly so there was a lot of people sort of you know absolutely annihilating that uh, uh, person for for saying that. Um, I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable for the rest of that day knowing that, that, that I'm getting battered on Twitter for saying something that's completely out of turn. How that person can just go about their day and be like, oh, yeah, I said that, I said that, and, you know, I don't care, you know, so what? I, I'm entitled to say what I want, and it's just like, well, you're not really, you know, because you're a human being 
and that's another human being who you've commented about so that's not really on The big thing again Declan is uh, that I've noticed is that it is it's males and females because JP makes a good point there yeah loads of guys are coming on with that kind of approach JP but also females uh, jumping on that that bandwagon and I think one of the biggest things it's uh, all about accountability Declan so we know your name we know what you look like when you're on Axom there's an accountability there if you say something you know uh, future employees will be aware that you've said it that's the anonymity isn't it I mean in in order to have an account surely um, that has to be uh, matched against forms of IDs surely that's the easiest way um, of sorting that problem out and then if someone is out of order because it's an online breach of the peace it's an online you know somebody abuses you online it's, it's the equivalent of a breach of the peace, but it's online. So it's a slightly different bit of legislation. Um, the evidence is out there. Uh, Facebook and Twitter and other um, social media companies are able to liaise with the authorities um, to create a, a criminal case. Uh, but a lot of this, I feel, is just being ignored. And, you know, great, brilliant that the club are doing it. Absolutely. And I know that when they made their statement, Declan, they did include some of the flack that supporters get online as well. Um, You've had your own experience of it online. And what JP says there is very interesting. You know, it would play on your mind if you did say something that, you know, actually was going to harm someone or or hurt someone and you did it deliberately. It certainly would play on my mind. Uh, But people get so involved in social media arguments, Declan. Um, there was one raging last week with myself and I, I looked at it and thought, imagine the point you're making to me is the last thing that you're thinking about before you go to your kip at night. And as soon as you wake up tomorrow, because the next point was at 6.20 the next morning, you're thinking about, I've got to check my phone just to see if I'm, win- if I'm winning this argument with Paul John Dykes at a Celtic State of Mind. Mate, it's not that important. It's just a, a difference of views. Let's just all relax about it. Because there is that as well. People get so hung up on it, Declan. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago we had this conversation and I'd said, you know, I don't take it, as you say, Paul John, after it personally, I don't take it to heart. But I do feel sorry for people that do take it to heart. And it's a shame because, you know, mentally what that can do to you, you know. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. To make people feel so, so low at a point. So, uh, to me, I always treat social media like a pub. Uh, if a person would come up to you in a pub and say whatever they're going to say, you would go like that. All right, pal, enjoy your night, mate, and walk away. Don't let it continue. I treat it like a pub. As well as that, I wouldn't walk into a pub and I'm going to get abuse. So, if somebody's going to continue with it, just block them because 
you know, why should you waste your time? You shouldn't waste your time. Use it as a positive tool. It could be there as a positive tool. You know, today is the um, the anniversaries of multiple different Celtic Rangers flashings, 5-1, 5-0. And it's good to see images of that pop up, videos of that pop up. It's also Stevie Chalmers' anniversary today, and it's nice to see some images of Stevie come up, the goal against Milan come up. So it could be there as a really positive tool, but would people want to use it as a negative tool? It's not good. And to me, you're spot on with, you know, there is a report tweet type button, but when somebody does do that and it's really serious, you should be followed up, not just via a week old Twitter, you should be followed up at times via chat in the door because, you know, it is, it's an online breach of the piece. You wouldn't get away with it in the street, so why should you be able to get away with it over your iPhone or Samsung Galaxy or whatever? Yeah, or you know, in some <laughs> remember at the high school JP, where there was physical pile ups. Remember, like on the, the playing field, somebody would get piled up on, and then I don't know if this just happened at my school. Every single person that was out there, once you heard the shout pile up, ran from every single corner of the school grounds to pile up on the poor individual who had the audacity to fall over. Um, it's a bit like that online as well with the old quote tweet, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to make a, a mockery of what you've just said and I'm going to ask everybody that follows me to join in in the mockery. Um, it's something that you know we will keep trying to raise because we use social media ourselves and we'll try and raise these issues. But again, yeah, big shout out to Natasha because I thought she was excellent the other day. Uh, but it's very unfortunate people can't see uh, beyond I'm going to have a dig at this person um, and you know as Declan says people are struggling out there we're in you were still in the midst of dark dark times so just have a wee thought about that um, and to be honest with you I think most of the people that are indulging in that kind of behaviour probably aren't watching this although we do have some intruders from time to time uh, but it can be something as Declan said JP it can be something that's used positively and we do try to do that as well at Celtic State of Mind and we had a massive charity drive in December last year we'll be doing the same this year uh, as well a massive part of that was social media interaction getting people involved getting people to buy in to what we're trying to do um, at on a smaller kind of scale, there was a coming together last night, JP, and this was all around the, the Celtic Shared Stroke Celtic Trust initiative, uh, which is called Shares for Value. We were asked um, as a platform to host the event, which we were more than happy to do. It was a, a bringing together of various groups uh, to hold a debate around uh, this added value. And I think that it was a success in that you know people were able to, to get involved during the show in the comments section, of course they were. But various podcasts were invited on. JP, as a season ticket holder, uh, what would you expect from the club in terms of added value? Uh, with the caveat, obviously, that we don't want to do anything that's harmful to the club. Well, I, I was thinking about that because uh, somebody did uh, direct me to the fact that um, Rangers had released their uh, renewal uh, forms, but with... I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's been any information on their part about any added value or what they're going to do. If it's just like business as usual, here's the season ticket renewal forms. We know that you're not able to come back into the ground as yet, but just buy one anyway. Like If we get the same thing from Celtic, I'll be completely disgusted because there has to be some sort of acknowledgement of the fact that it's not. it can't just be the same as it was last year. You know, Everybody kind of blindly handed over money you know, I think obviously when people thought that we were going to get back into the grounds at some point this season, it became more and more apparent that that wasn't going to be the case as the months ticked by. 
Um, I know that we're in a really weird and unprecedented situation, but people are paid money at the club to deal with these situations and, and I, I would expect some some sort of uh, discount that, that knocks on to next season or I, 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 there's got to be something that they can do. It cannot just be here's the season ticket renewal form we've frozen the price the prices as a goodwill gesture uh, and you know give us your money <laughs> you know uh, despite not getting to see the, the product that you're paying for uh, uh, that's what I would say the big thing, again, JP, I'll throw this to Declan. Um, it's a subject we've covered in great depth and obviously we will move on to other subjects, but it's on the back, really, of the, the big debate last night uh, where people were able to ask the Celtic Trust and Celtic shared uh, their questions, raise their concerns. Uh, and obviously there's there's a lot of kind of unknowns in this as well. I mean, what, what value can you possibly place on? What monetary value can you place on this added value? It's a very difficult thing to work out and I know that um, it's also difficult to say well what is the actual value of Celtic TV for a season because uh, the cost of Celtic TV to a domestic audience is unknown because the cost is always an overseas cost which is around one fifth of what it would cost domestically so it's difficult to work out what that monetary value would be and I think the Celtic Shared uh, initiative Declan is certainly saying to the club, let's talk about it. I mean, if nothing else, they are saying, let's engage with each other and let's look at a, a solution. It may not be the solution we're asking for, but this is something that we're pitching to you. Uh, so I guess it comes back to the engagement. My big concern for next season, JP quite rightly said there, and I, I wasn't following that story about the season tickets from Ibrox. I, I don't know when or if they've been launched, JP. I expect... Declan for them to sell in record numbers because of everything that's happened I expect that to happen that then puts big money into the coffers at Rangers who have already won the league prize money there then you're looking at Champions League riches potentially and I look at that first and foremost as a Celtic fan and think well we need to be as in a, in a strong position as possible uh, when our season ticket renewals come out. And as JP says, if it was to happen under those circumstances, it's not going to be in a strong position. Are we putting all the eggs in one basket here? Are we saying, well, big announcement of a manager and you know we'll go regardless and we'll re release the season tickets? And Because we're looking at a situation where we still don't know when we're getting into the ground. Yeah, I think there's a, a few key points to cover there. On the trust, you know, they're a fan organisation, so... They're not going to know do nothing. So I think it's, first of all, they've came up with a plan. Whether people agree with it or don't agree with it, they still had to come up with a proposal and they've did that. And they're saying to the club, let's talk. So it's then over to Celtic to see what they can produce. Obviously, from a legal perspective, in the T's and C's, to what everybody signed up for a season ticket last year, the club don't actually need to do anything. But from a moral perspective and from a perspective of the way that we've been treated this season... I think it would be good for Celtic to try and get fans back on side. Now, if Eddie Howe is appointed manager, I don't doubt that we will sell season tickets well compared to what we would have done under Roy Keane or John Kennedy. But I think if you really want to get the fans back on board and get everybody in harmony, we've spoken about that whole eternity of players in the park, people in the boardroom and the people in the, the terraces, there needs to be something. Now, whether it's shares, whether it's a cash refund, whether it's a cut price off your season ticket, I don't know. But they will, in my opinion, I think the club do need to do something just to, just to I don't want to use the word appease, but try and bring people back on side because people aren't happy this season. Now, people will say, yeah, 
if we'd have won the league, would we still be moaning? I don't know. I think there would still be this part of us because, you know, we were promised added value. Mm. If that's just going to be digital programmes, that's certainly not something I'm going to be happy with. Obviously, I don't pay as much as other folk because of my student season ticket, so it would work differently. Um, but I think the club do need to do something. What they do, I have absolutely no clue about. Yeah, and obviously to counter some of the uh, chat earlier on, Declan, about online abuse, here's the opposite from Sean South. Declan, we love you, and a beautiful wee green love heart, so thank you very much. Barhead boy, you obviously weren't on the bottom of a pylon because I'm pretty sure the victims didn't think they were magic at all. Um, Now, we've also got another good comment coming in from Tony Hutton. Welcome to the show, Tony. Abuse of any kind is not acceptable and should not be tolerated. I totally agree with that. And sometimes it comes down to calling it out, you know, just calling it out, and uh, obviously people will uh, be... Uh, kind of shouted down. We get it a lot in here. When you look at some of the comments that come in on here, it's incredible that people have the time. Um, I'm all for debate. I'm all for people disagreeing with me. Um, you know what I mean? And criticism is fine, but it needs to be founded, JP. It ne- there needs to be some kind of basis. I mean, we were called, oh well, I say we, not you guys. I was called yesterday on one of the videos a clown. Uh, and, and the fact that this was a narrative from me as a clown. Now, to be honest with you, how can you have a narrative, uh, an axiom narrative, when 13 different contributors are part of the bulletin? The whole idea of having a group of people was to get a whole wide kind of range of views. And we agree and disagree. Declan wants to play Dembele. Here's a small example. JP says no chance. A few people in the comments saying that play Dembele and he's going to get snapped. It's all about views. Let's be as balanced as we can about it. But... Uh, for the record, don't think there's any clowns in the, the Axom Brigade, or is it the cult? The Axom cult, we were called before JP. Um, transfers continue to happen at Celtic, and again, it's another wee inkling that maybe we're, we're pretty close to the Eddie Howe deal. Maybe something's happened and it's not been announced yet, and uh, we're ironing it out, but we are. You know, we're, we're still um, selling players. Now, I wouldn't have expected the incoming manager to want to keep Klamala or Perez, for example, who obviously left over the last week or so uh, but again there's some kind of uh, interest that would seem in Mario Vuskovic uh, who is a Hadjuk split centre half creation under 21 19 years of age JP and they're talking about 6 million euros for the kid so if we're going to show some kind of interest and we're, we're in discussions with uh, you know teams over 6 million pound euro players again is that another inkling that Eddie is in the building uh, and everything other than the fact that we've made an announcement. I mean, sure, surely, to goodness, we cannot be signing players based on somebody in a position in the club who will maybe not be in that position in a few months' time. Do you know what I mean? That would be insane. Um, in regards to that uh, player in particular, it, sound, it, it ticks a lot of boxes, you know. Sounds like, you know, he'll be, uh, he's, he's coming up from good stock. But it simply has to be the case that if we do sign that guy and we pay €6 million Euros for him, in one year's time, we can't be sitting talking about that being a failed signing. That guy has to be a first name in the team sheet. Yeah. It's a lot of ifs there, right? But if, if that does happen, it can't be a case of, oh, so, you know, the the um, the Croatian centre-half disaster and, you know, you know what's, what's going on with him and question marks and all that. The guy simply has to be uh, nailed on 
you know, 50, 60 games a season player for Celtic. You know, it's not, it just can't be any other way. Um, so, so uh, you know, as, as I was saying earlier on, our signing policy has to be completely, you know, uh, watertight in terms of not letting in any dross uh, and and getting in, you know, first-team calibre players. Aye, no, we're going to whatsoever. John Kennedy, I almost said John Squire. John Kennedy just appeared on my Sky Sports screen there uh, for everything a reason, as they say. I'm not sure what the story is, but I'm sure I'll find out in a couple of minutes. Um, but there is also a story, uh, Declan, around the Celtic captain. Say uh, you suggested earlier that perhaps Brown should drop out on Sunday. Um, I, I think automatically a lot of Celtic fans would expect McGregor to take the captain. Say I don't think he's a, a natural born captain, I think yes he does lead by example uh, everybody knows but that listens to this show that I always bang on about Ayer, I think he's a, a born leader but then again the caveat to that is yeah, you might not be here next season, who is the captain going forward, who's going to be the captain of this new rebuilt Celtic next season, Declan McConville I think it will be Callum McGregor um, due to the fact he's in a similar position as Scott Brown he's in that kind of midfield role I used to call him the Celtic metronome. I would like him to get back to that, where it just basically ticks away as everything goes around him and he's kind of silent. I don't like to call him an assassin because he's not quite that standard. But um, yeah, I think it will be Callum McGregor, um, but he's definitely not in the same mould as Scott Brown as a general. But um, on his season this year, I think we've, I think we've came to expect a lot from Callum McGregor and be a kind of 7 or 8 out of 10 player every game. This season he has been under par, but I've got no doubt that under a new system that he could flourish again. So um, for me, it's Calmac. Calmac for Deck. Um, JP, just before I come to you, last comment of the day. Peter, thank you very much for getting involved. Peter Davy, Stevie Mullen is an excellent guest. He certainly is. Get him back on PJD. Well, Stevie Mullen will be back. Once he can come into the studio, he will join us. He was a Thursday regular. We'll need to see where Stevie is uh, available going forward. But, you know, check out Stevie online. Does a lot of good work for St. Rock's uh, with the mental health charity Rock Talk. So tune into that whenever you can. Stevie will be back. Absolutely will be. JP, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to ask you for your prediction because you've been pretty good with your predictions. Um, final Glasgow derby of the season. Give me a prediction. Come on. Oh, yeah, well, I said 1-1, we drew 1-1. I said 1-0 in the last game and I predicted big things from Ryan Christie. Or I was kind of more, it was a reverse psychology. I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe it would, uh, it would prove us wrong. Uh, and by the way, if you've seen that boys' analytics video that got put together on, on Twitter, mm. have you seen that? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, that is, uh, that's uh, very telling uh, evidence there on, on uh, some failings on his part. I'm sure he wouldn't want to watch that before he goes to bed at night because, uh, well, I wouldn't sleep, <laughs> put it that way. Um, but uh, I, uh, do you know what? I'm going to say 1-0 again. I'm going to put it out there, 1-0 again and, and, and end this charade that they're this brilliant side that can't win trophies that are leading a plate to them 
Well, one nothing. Um, yeah, I'm not any more confident than that. I've got to say in my in my, my own self, JP. Uh, Jacqueline, before I ask you for your prediction, and, and JP was talking about Christie and players uh, listening in, perhaps to because we have had, believe it or not, Lee Griffiths <laughs> um, joining us on Periscope previously this season. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did. Honestly, his name popped up. It was uh, quite amusing. But um, I'm sure Caitlin Hayes, who plays for Celtic Women's, must have tuned in to her post-match uh, because uh, after the Rangers game Russell Boyce gave her a roasting for her performance against Rangers and then we covered the Hibs game she scores goal JP and she gives it a bit of that you know <laughs> and I'm saying well, that's, that's for you Russell take it son take take it uh, Declan give me a prediction before we go 2-1 uh, Celtic and a wonder goal from David Turnbull from about 25 yards Nice, I like it. Uh, yeah, I'll probably give my prediction before the game because I'll be covering the game, but it's always a pleasure on the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin to get everybody's views, criticisms um, and everything else. It's always a pleasure. So thanks for joining us on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. And all that's left for me to say is thank you to Declan McConville and JP Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind, guys. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. 
Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.